I wanted to share from the scriptures a little bit this morning, and then we're going to have our communion in just a little, a little while, but God has really brought me to a passage. God wants us to be in his, live in his presence in the present. He doesn't want us to live in the past, which we can't do anything about anyway. I tell people all the time, I, would like to, I wish I could go back a year. I wish I could go back two years. I wish I could go back to um, 10 years ago, to 2004. I have these fantasies all the time, which is not helpful, about going back and doing, making different decisions. But the past is over. Here I am. And all of us, the past is over, and here you are. And some, some of us have daily reminders of the past all the time that we carry around with us, and it makes it hard not to think about the past and forget that Jesus' blood and grace covers the past, let alone the future that some of us live in, the future of, of, of uh, uncertainty, anxiety, worry about what's going to come down the pike. Uh, but Jesus has a plan for that too. And the future is transformed by living in God's presence in the present. There's a different outcome than whatever your fear brain says in the future um, if we walk with Jesus in the present. In my, my time with God, I, I came across this, this passage a couple weeks ago, Isaiah 59. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear, for your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken falsely, and your tongue mutters wicked things. No one calls for justice. No one pleads a case with integrity. They, reply, they rely on empty arguments. They utter lies. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil. They hatch the eggs of vipers and spin a spider's web. Whoever eats their eggs will die, and when one is broken, one adder is hatched. Their cobwebs are useless for clothing. They cannot cover themselves with what they make. Their deeds are evil deeds, and acts of violence are in their hands. Their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed innocent blood. They pursue evil schemes. Acts of violence mark their ways. The way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their path. They have turned them into crooked roads. No one who walks along them will know peace. So justice is far from us, and righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but all is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. Like the blind, we grope along the wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. At midday, we stumble as if it were twilight. Among the strong, we are like the dead. We all growl like bears. We moan mournfully like doves. We look for justice, but find none. For deliverance, but it is far away. For our offenses are many in your sight, and our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us, and we acknowledge our iniquities, rebellion and treachery against the Lord, turning our backs on our God, inciting revolt and oppression, uttering lies our hearts have conceived. So justice is driven back, and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garment of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. According to what they have done, so, he will, repay, so will he repay. Wrath to his enemies, retribution to his foes. 
He will repay the islands their due. From the west, people will fear the name of the Lord. From the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory. For he will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. The Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you. My words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips and on the lips of your children and on the lips of their descendants from this time on and forever, says the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage. It, it troubles us with the darkness of the condition of the world. The people who live in darkness and sin, some of us live in that darkness from time to time. And we know what that's all about. But we are hopeful at your redemption and how you don't give up on your covenant. Give us eyes to see what you have to say to the church today. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's, uh, today's message, if I were to title it, I'd give it the same title that my Bible gives it, which is Sin, Confession, and Redemption. It's a good title. It's very descriptive in this case. Sin, Confession, and Redemption. It's a very simple process, but not a process that many people take hold of with their, with their uh, will, their, their mind, their hearts, their emotions. It's something that um, people tend to be half-hearted about. But it's simple. Uh, sin, confession, and redemption. Uh, my, my, I guess my confession to you this morning is that I am a recovering self-condemner. Really, like, really am. Like, I'm not there right now. And it sounds cheesy to say that, um, but especially in my younger years, I would read a passage like this, and I'd be like, that's me, that's me, that's me. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm just, cobwebs are my clothing, and there's adders, eggs, and they lay more snakes, and I'm just, that's who I am. And, you know, I'd read something especially like, like uh, I'd kind of skip the, short, the part about the arm of the Lord not being too short to save, and and his ears not being too dull to hear. And all I'd see is, your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. And that would just be something that would cause a, really, uh, a sin reaction more, more than anything, like an anxiety. It would be an anxiety provoking. I'd think, you know, how do I get God to listen to me? What do I need to do to remedy this situation? Does God really not hear my prayers? Does God really not see me you know, if I'm in sin or something like that. And uh, this just has to do with, my, with who I am and what I've been through. I'm not there, I wouldn't say now, uh, or I'm recovering, and that's the good word. But I would lose sight of Jesus and lose sight of the cross and lose sight of the, of the fact that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Uh, from Romans 8, uh, we read that earlier in worship. But it does say in, in, in uh, verse 2, your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. But notice, you know, what the first verses say is something actually very hopeful. It doesn't start with this kind of despair picture. It says, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. Nothing wrong with God's arms. That's anthropomorphic. God doesn't have arms. But we understand this idea that if someone's reaching for someone who's hanging off a cliff and their arm isn't long enough, that person's going to fall. But God's arms are not short. They're not too short to save us, no matter how deep of a hole we're in. They're not too short. And his ears are, of course, not too dull to hear. 
God hears and sees everything, and he is uh, unlimited. But it says our iniquities have separated us from God. Our sins have hidden his face from us so that he will not hear. The thing that I see with this passage, because we know that God hears and sees everything, and we know from this very passage that he is capable of saving, is that the problem in this dire situation of sin and darkness that these people find themselves in, which we're not going to go into all the imagery in it, but it's pretty dark, right? The sin that they find themselves in. Uh, The problem is not with God's ability to save these people, or even, really, his ability to hear real prayer. But the problem is, uh, these people uh, pray to God, seek him, fast, study, but they, their hearts are not there at all. You see in this passage, it says in Isaiah 58, these people are, are fasting, and God says, this fast is not acceptable to me, because as you're fasting, you're grinding the faces of your poor and your day laborers. Do you really think that your fasting and your prayer is impressive to me? I see, well, I see where your heart's at. The problem, in my opinion, if I was going to paraphrase this passage, is not that God doesn't, doesn't hear prayer. I think God always hears prayer. I don't think these people are praying. I think that this is an easy-bake oven uh, prayer to make these people feel good about themselves as they fully intend to continue in whatever wicked path they're on. So let's do this another way because this, is, this makes it interesting when I walk around. It's kind of unpredictable, a little scary. Uh, I need a personal possession. This is where it becomes a carnival. Oh, boy, you're brave. <laughs> Something less valuable. Is that your book? It's your Bible? Okay. Well, get it. Get, up, get your Bible. You're such a good sport. <laughs> hey, can I see you again? Hey, I'm really sorry for making you do that. <laughs> can you go get your Bible? You get the idea. This is what we do with prayer with God. You know, we're like, God, deliver me, help me from this thing. But we have no intention of changing. We're just doing this. We're like planning on doing it later. Our, our feet are quick to shed blood, right? There's no real repentance there. It's like, it's, it's a band-aid to make us feel better, to say, oh, you know, there's the cross and there's Jesus. I'll talk to him about it. But our hearts are not there. And that's what Isaiah 58 and 59 is all about. These people honor me with their lips. Their hearts are far, far from me, as they are uh, apologizing to me for, for, we'll say, striking, let's say, let's say, let's say the sin is uh, going into a fit of rage and striking another person, injuring, causing injury to them. They, they say, oh, Jesus, I know you forgive me. I can't wait to punch that guy later, because I am still angry. I am an angry person, <laughs> and this is my prayer to myself. It's therapeutic, where I apply the grace of God that Jesus offers secretly without a heart change. This is why a lot of people say it's helpful to confess your sins to another human. It says confess your sins to one another, not because God doesn't hear and forgive sin, but because it helps us to really see how severe our sin is and like, ooh, that is ugly. I really don't want to be that person. It just helps us to kind of be accountable in a way. But, uh, you know, in my opinion... These are the, these kind of seeking after God when all this darkness is in your heart, because you see in this beginning of this passage, I don't hear your prayers. This is what you're doing. God can hear. They aren't praying. 
They're trying to feel good about what they're doing and continue. They're like, you know, in the name of Nathan, I apply all of this to myself. I feel much better. Moving on, right? So, so there's that. But I do believe the great hope of, of the Bible, and really some of the things that I tend to selectively uh, filter out in my self-condemning uh, ways, if you look at some of these, if you actually look at what this passage says, it describes a darkness, it describes a people who are quick to shed blood, who, who lie, they mutter wicked things, their feet rush into sin, they're not peaceful people, but they're crying out to God. God, God doesn't hear those prayers. Again, they're not actual prayers, really. So you see all that. You see these people, they grow up along like, like blind people. Uh, they, they just are worse and worse and worse it gets. In verse 12 and 13, there's this really, really amazing note of hope. And this is where I get my, my ideas today. For our offenses are many in your sight, and our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us, and we acknowledge our iniquities, rebellion and treachery against the Lord, turning our backs on our God, inciting revolt and oppression, uttering lies our hearts have conceived. So all of a sudden, there's a turn in these people that were living in darkness and essentially praying to themselves, God's not hearing these particular prayers because they are not true heart change type prayers. Finally, there's a turn in verse 12. It's a hopeful turn. Again, the problem's never been with God. His arm's been long enough. His ears have not been dull. He's able to save. He hears prayers. But finally, these people who have not been really offering prayer to God, finally they say, you know what? Our offenses are many in your sight. Our sins kind of do testify against us, I guess you could say. Um, they're with us. We, we acknowledge our iniquities. We've twisted it. Our rebellion, our treachery, turned our backs on God and really brought other people down that, down that road as well. And we confess that uttering lies our hearts have conceived. Yes, they're saying. I agree with you, God. The things that you're saying about my sin, I agree with you. Your definition. The problem is many times uh, us, us people, you know, we fail to really acknowledge our actual sin before God. And God cannot cover that which is not acknowledged and confessed before him. You know, we're not even aware of it particularly. Like, you, you have to kind of be in touch with what it is, and you really need to call, call it what it is. Because God, Jesus did not die on the cross for his blood to cover our excuses. Jesus did not die for your excuses. And that sounds like a really harsh thing. But I'm saying... Let me, let me ask you if this is familiar, a familiar situation. This is the thing. There's real salvation and forgiveness and covering through the blood of Jesus Christ, real, where you can be forgiven of things that are offensive to God through Jesus in a moment when it happens. So you never have to walk without peace. You can always walk in peace before God. But the problem is, when you make excuses and don't acknowledge your sin for what it is, then none of that good stuff can happen because... The blood of Jesus can't be applied to something that's not acknowledged, and certainly not something that comes by, by a different name. This is one I came up with this morning. Uh, you know, I'm sorry that I behaved that way. I was just hungry and tired. 
there's not really much of an acknowledgement there of what the actual offense was. What really happened was you had a fit of rage with somebody. You lost it. Maybe you had bitterness in your heart. These are actual sins in the Bible, things that God can forgive and cover. But you were just hungry or tired. You were hangry. And, you know, Jesus didn't die to cover up our hangry. <laughs> you know, it's not one of the seven deadly sins. But when we actually acknowledge our sin for what it is and just be honest with others and with God, like, you know, I, 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 I sinned against you. Uh, I, I, it was, there's, no, there's no excuse. And, I, and this is what it was. And I'm just asking Jesus to cover my sin and I ask you to forgive me. That's powerful because Jesus actually died on the cross to forgive sins, to cover people and redeem people. It's powerful to acknowledge the truth of your situation, even though it's tough to come to terms with it. It feels good to me when people actually say what's really going on. I have two people that I can really rely on to tell me, like, tell me in a very like, whimsical way, this is what it's like. Because I'm always shrouded. You know, sometimes I feel like I, I soften my language, and I kind of say, well, maybe this is going on. The person's like, that's not going on. What's going on. This is what's going on. I'm like, you're right. I didn't see that. I was so busy kind of just not seeing what was really going on. And I have a couple people, one of whom I was on my, uh, my European trip, mission trip with, who not, not in a crass way or in a bad way, just say it like it is. And it's so refreshing. And guess who else that's refreshing to? It's refreshing to God. God is so happy when you are like, you know, this, these sins are serious. God actually became a person and died on the cross to cover my sins. I might as well, you know, it's, it's really, it feels good to him to know that you know, yeah, I have this problem and I need you to help me with it. Finally. Not just gloss over it with excuses, but to acknowledge and say, Jesus, uh, um, help us with this. And I love the, uh, the final part of this passage. The Redeemer will come to Zion in verse 20. To those in Jacob who repent of their sins, this is the beauty of the cross, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you. My words I put in your mouth will always be on your lips, on the lips of your children, on the lips of their descendants, from this time on and forever, says the Lord. So I see there's no problem with God in the beginning. God is always faithful to his covenant, as we see in the end. In the middle is a bunch of human brokenness, but then, finally, an acknowledgement of the truth. And then we see these people. To those, in verse 20, in Jacob, who repent of their sins, they get the good stuff. They get to live in real freedom. They get to live in real life change. They get to really uh, live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And that's something that, that uh, in Galatians, I think it's Galatians uh, 5, that those who walk in step with the Spirit will put to death the misdeeds of the body, and those people will have life. They will live. So the thing that I really wanted to, uh, to leave us with today as we come to the table is a commitment to live, and this is a, this is, this is a very simple concept, but something you have to be very alert to, to live in the actual present, in the presence of God, not dwelling on the past, not fantasizing about going back 10 years, two years, one year, and making different decisions, 
Jesus, you cover that with your blood. There's nothing I can do to change it. It is what it is. Not being worried about the future. Not being anxious. The Bible call, call, talks about anxiety. Not being anxious about the future and worrying about what will happen and how it will be taken care of and how will this problem get fixed that I live with every day and I see no hope at the end of the tunnel. We spend so much time in the future. To, to put those things down and live in the present with the Holy Spirit. Because if we just simply walk with the Holy Spirit, he then has the opportunity with all that freed up bandwidth from the past and the future uh, bogging us down to, to show us, and he does this, very specifically he will show you, you know, in a moment, uh, the things that are sin in your life that you need to just confess to him, repent of, and be covered in the blood so that you can feel forgiven and free. He will show you that in those moments. And not only in, the, in that kind of negative, and so you, you see, you don't have to live burdened by this feeling of like, oh, I'm a horrible sinner. You can just live moment by moment applying the grace of Jesus to your life. The second thing is it frees up all that bandwidth so that you can uh, actually hear from the Holy Spirit when he says something to you like, uh, you know, I put Mike on my mind. I'll say as an example. Pray for Mike. Maybe give Mike a call. You know? To actually live in that present with God Sin, confession, redemption. It's, 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 it's something that you, you can't pay for your past sins. You can't control the future. It's all covered in the blood of Jesus. It's in God's hands. We are only responsible for living moment by moment in the presence of God, addressing the things that he brings up, not making our own lists. I need to change this, 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 and this, and this. What, Jesus, what, what are the, the sins in my life that are holding me back that I need to you know, repent of? Let him bring those to light. And then just bring them underneath the blood of Jesus. Conf call them what they are. Agree with God as, as to what is going on. And don't let this thing continue to ruin your life. You know? And if you live in the present, in the presence of God, your future is going to be a lot better than when you used to think about it all the time. And your past will end up becoming, even, even though we know it's theologically covered by the blood and all that, he will bring, begin to bring redemption. He will turn your darkness into light. Lots of really good things happen in the present, but nothing in the past can change, and nothing in the future can be controlled. The only thing that we have is this moment, and it's walking with the Holy Spirit, listening, talking to God about the truth, which is very refreshing to everybody. Your friends will like you better, too. You know, <laughs> God will make you into someone like Jesus. This is what Jesus did. He walked in step with the Spirit. He, he says he did only what he saw the Father doing. He wasn't asking God, you know, about 20 years ago. He wasn't, you know, he modeled it for us. Living in the present, in the presence. Um, I really liked Bonnie's story talking about there's something she always thinks about and she kind of replaced it with praying. It's like a discipline, right? This is the same thing. You don't realize how much you think about your past and your future, and you and become worried about it until you actually focus your mind and say, wow, I think a lot. I live in the past and the future. God, help me to live in the present. You do that long enough, it's going to be transformational. It really is. I believe this. And I believe that the pattern is simple, though not many people take God up on it from this passage. Sin, confession, redemption. 
in the moment, step by step, day by day, God will do good things in us.